Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries, where a teenager's life is valued at approximately $2,000. Adjusted for inflation, that's over (laughs) $4,000. I mean, it seems a little steep for a teenager like Ronnie, but we'll get there. Book number 51, Against the Odds. Will Ronnie Edwards lose the biggest gamble of his life? Hi, everybody. Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries. I'm your host, Marissa Flaxbart. Thrilled to be here starting season six of Sweet Valley Diaries, the podcast. Yay! And I have a very special, very beloved guest with me. Beloved by me. I hope you like her, too. She's been on the show a few times before. It's Mary Parker. Hi, Hi Mary. I hope if anyone is just listening that they understand what a treat they're in for, because Marissa is the best. Oh, thank you. That's good. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> just look forward to this just being the best thing ever. <laughs> I mean, um, not to oversell that's, it. That's the expectation I want to set out the at the outset. <laughs> no, I mean, you buy, buy in now. You love this podcast. You're going to tell all your friends to listen to it. It doesn't matter whether you or they have ever heard of Sweet valley high before this is your new favorite and you know it really doesn't matter Um, because if you've even heard of the 80s you get the gist of sweet valley high totally totally and also now just hit like 15 to 30 seconds back and just listen to these last few seconds again just over and over again (laughs) until you really feel it in your bones Um, well this is this is a really exciting um episode not because it's the book against the odds although it is an exciting book we will soon reveal but because normally, I mean, the new season is always exciting, but these whole 10 book seasons thing, it's kind of arbitrary. Mm-hmm. Something I made up at the outset of starting the podcast as a way to like have an off ramp for myself in case it just wasn't working. Well, that off ramp has long since closed, but this is a really exciting new milestone. So that's part of why I'm thrilled to have you here with me, Mary, as one of my oldest Sweet Valley High just like confidants. (laughs) We are now entering a phase of the podcast where I am reading the books for the first time. That is exciting. It's exciting for me. I'm excited about it. It it, it might make it a little bit harder for me to choose guests because I'm just kind of guessing a little bit. I mean, I can read a lot about the descriptions. You know, I love Mm -hmm. to go on Goodreads and read the reviews that people have left of these books, which is fun. Uh, You can tell a certain amount from, you know, reading the back cover just looking at the front cover. And when I asked you on, Mary, I told you something that I quickly learned was not true about this book. Do you remember you what I told you? told me that there was going to be a connection with the uh, Wrong Kind of Girl book. And unless I'm very misremembering Wrong Kind of Girl, I don't see any connection. <laughs> right. So any new listeners, Wrong Kind of Girl is very seminal book uh, for me. It's the book that got me uh, reinvested as an adult in a Sweet Valley High. And it has a character who is named Ricky Capaldo, who's just a mm-hmm. minor character. He's the cheerleading uh, manager. And Mary read Wrong Kind of Girl, and I think maybe even another Annie No, Whitman it was book? just Wrong no. Kind of Girl. Oh, well, I'm already <laughs> full of lies. Okay. Um, I really thought you'd done it a second nope, time. No, nope, oh full of lies, just like Ronnie. Ricky Capaldo, bless his heart, I really feel bad that I mistook him for Ronnie Edwards. Ronnie Edwards is the guy who, way back in book number two, Enid Rollins, who's a star of the show, Elizabeth Wakefield's mm-hmm. best friend, 
She was dating Ronnie Edwards at the outset of the entire Sweet Valley High series. And he was such a dick to her when he found out that she used to be kind of fast. And she had this boy from her past that she was writing letters to. Not even like love letters. Just like like a pen pal. Yeah, he basically like tried to assault her in a sense. Like, I don't know if his heart was really in it, but his his vibe was like, oh, you're loose with other guys. You should, you know, give it up to me too. Isn't this what you're like? Isn't this what you're like? And she got all upset and she broke up with him, thank God. But that's like all the Ronnie Edwards (laughs) that we even know. Except also that he's in Phi Epsilon. Which is a high school fraternity, which is not a thing, but okay. Oh gosh, I feel all jazzed up. You should let's get jazzed up. There's a lot to there's a lot of season energy in this book. Um, Well, the last, I guess, little bit of business that I'll say is that I had a very exciting hiatus, Gladiators. Uh, I made a movie, which is kind of exciting. So more exact to learn more about that later. I participated in a big eight-week podcasting fellowship the first, in the first class of this thing called the On Deck Podcasting Fellowship. I learned a lot of exciting stuff and resources that hopefully I'll be able to bring to bear on the show and uh, maybe even have some of my new podcasting friends as guests. Um, So I'm really excited about the future of Sweet Valley Diaries, even though it is a total mystery to me what the hell is (laughs) going to happen. But that makes the future even more exciting. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess a total mystery is not exactly the case. (laughs) I I know some things that are going to happen. I'm really excited about a few things that are going to happen in this season, like um, some kind of shipwreck. Certain boys are going to come back to town. I'm really excited for that book where Jessica gets eaten by a runaway tiger and they go through the whole funeral and then it's like the tiger gets possessed by Jessica and it's just, oh my God, it's going to be thrilling. See, when you started, I thought that you really had like read ahead about what's going to happen because there is a book where Jessica is somehow like stranded on an island that they're going to go visit, (laughs) something like that. It's called Lost at Sea. And uh, there's one called Two Boy Weekend. There's also, there are also though, before we get to that exciting stuff, we're entering another phase of the uh, parade of randos, (laughs) uh, which is the, the time in Sweet Valley High writing history when for some reason, several books in a row are about characters that you either never heard of before or, as is the case with Ronnie Edwards, just, like, don't really know or care that I much wonder, about. And they're just thrust into the foreground. I wonder if they had either run out of ideas for main characters or if they were going through some sort of marketing push where they're trying to attract new readers and not make them have to start at the beginning. So they give them a bunch of new character feature books that anyone could pick up and read anytime. I think that's probably part of it. And no matter what happens in any of these books, Jessica and Elizabeth Wakefield are always there doing something. Even the books where they're really minor characters, they always have a role. Usually Elizabeth is meddling or Jessica is having an opinion. It, it, like it could be as it could be as tenuous as that. Like something's happening and Jessica sees it happening and we get into her POV to see how much she thinks it's, you know, mm-hmm. lame or bullshit or whatever. <laughs> um, uh, and this one is not like that though. In this book, Elizabeth and Jessica Wakefield both have very different and very big parts in the story, even though it is Ronnie Edwards' I mean, book. Elizabeth really just gets captured. Beyond that, she doesn't do much. She does some meddling, but her capture, as we'll get to this gladiators, her capture is a symptom of her meddling um, in a yeah. very weird way. So <laughs> let's let's go straight to the beginning of this book, because I was excited in the first few pages for a very silly reason. We start this book at a big soccer game, a big Sweet Valley High soccer game. 
we started calling the listeners of the podcast the gladiators because that is the mascot of Sweet Valley High, but it's almost never mentioned. And all of a sudden, in the first like three <laughs> pages of this book, it's just constant. I have the physical version, not the ebook, but I'm sure if I did a like search for the word gladiators, it would be like 10 times at least in this book. Is that something you can do on an ebook? I am a novice to ebooks because I can do that right now. It okay. is, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. do it. Give me one second. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I mean, I can just stamp <laughs> to tell everybody that the, they're playing the Palisades Pumas. So, again, a little geographical confusion. Palisades is, is probably pretty far from Sweet Valley High, but whatever. People travel distances for games. And then later on, of course, they're going to play Big Mesa. Big Mesa is the number one rivals of Sweet Valley High. Oh, well, there it is. A search books. bar. Okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> Here I was thinking that you were searching no, this whole I was time. To find, okay, it looks to m- you. I guess you were searching in a matter of speaking. You were searching I for think the 14, search bar. 14 mentions of Gladiator. That's pretty good Ooh, for a short okay. book. So that's exciting. Jeffrey French is a. That's Elizabeth Wakefield's boyfriend. He is just a great soccer player, and his blonde hair is like. <laughs> you know, bouncing on the wind as he runs and scores. He's just a star soccer player. He's very good. And in fact, this is one of the more exciting openings to a Sweet Valley book. Uh, You can comment further on whether that's unusual or not. But, you know, it's a big game, and then they all go to the Die Rye Burger, (laughs) which I've decided to call it. Yes, it opens opens in media res. (laughs) Action... uh, uh, soccer kicking playing they're winning the game and the guy everybody the other guys on the team Aaron Dallas etc uh, they lift Jeffrey up onto their shoulders and he's the mm-hmm. king of the game like so this is that's a, that's what we're setting he scores up scores the, the winning goal is that in the playoffs or however yeah, soccer works he's the soccer he's the good he's guy the soccer, soccer boy <laughs> <laughs> he's the soccer boy so um step aside Aaron Dallas uh Jeffrey French is, is the new mm-hmm. soccer boy in town. And uh, so that's set up. Actually, as long as we're talking about the soccer team, I feel like we're going to take an unprecedentedly early foray into the part of the podcast where we talk about boys. Oh, 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 <laughs> a beautiful boys, a beautiful boys. I'm in danger of losing my head. So, a beautiful boys, a beautiful boys, a beautiful this is a very like non-horny book for the most part i think there's not a lot of objectification of the boys in it would you agree with that i would agree with that there are two kisses but um there is you know, some in true elizabeth fashion they're very chaste um there's some really heavy running hands <laughs> through the hair that, El- that elizabeth seems to really enjoy yep. toward the end of the book like oh keep doing that and i actually turned back like oh god what is he doing <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's just running his hands through her hair, which does feel very good. I mean, I can't sure. fault Elizabeth for enjoying that sensation. But. I mean, there's also Big Al and his crony, Max, who, well, maybe they're a little older than the target demographic of this book. They are clearly gainfully employed in um, being evil bookies. Yeah. And they have their own cars. And they so, have money. I mean, what's not to love? So Big Al will get to, um, there's Max, there's also another henchman named Bruno. <laughs> Very good, mildly sexy henchman name, although I can't say that he was doing no. much for me. 
in this book, nor was Max. But the soccer team boys get named, and it's really just a litany. It's like reading a yearbook. Like, who are these boys? Some of them we know. Uh, Aaron Dallas, Tony Esteban, Michael Schmidt, not to be confused with Michael Harris, who has appeared (laughs) in a previous book. This is Michael Schmidt. And Brad Tomasi. These are these are other guys mm-hmm. on the soccer team. Um, how many guys on a soccer team? Uh, are there are there five six. on a field at a time? Two, three, four, five. No, that's five guys. Okay, but there's like there should be extras. Hey, maybe like th- on the side. <laughs> well, there's this, the JV guys because later on I should have marked the book the boy later on that is a junior varsity. Oh yeah, he's a good guy, a junior varsity good Young, guy, at hungry soccer. up and comer, and. A real Alexander yeah, I actually Hamilton have it marked here. Yeah. I, I have a note in here from later on that says Jeffrey becomes self-aware. Oh, yeah, he totally and does. That's where that Which is boy... rare for a teenage boy. Go, yeah, Jeffrey. Well, this fellow is named Chris mm-hmm. Wells. But again, we're getting it through Jeffrey's eyes, so we don't really get like, you know, Chris Wells is gorgeous, you know, emerald yeah. green eyes flash in the sunlight and his, um, you know... We- mahogany locks were glossy and cascaded down to his shoulders. Yeah, we, we don't have the, the raw sexual energy of descriptions of barely post-pubescent teenage boys. No, instead what Jeffrey is thinking when he looks at Chris is, <laughs> is that what I look like when I'm playing soccer? <laughs> That's mm-hmm. I thought was a really interesting moment. But jumping the gun, as we are wont to do here on Sweet Valley Diaries, Let's get back to the start of the book. So we've set up that Jeffrey is a great soccer player. And the other big piece of information that gets set up at the outset happens at the Dairy Burger when Ronnie Edwards comes strutting in. Um, He's wearing a nice suit and he's flashing around bills. He's got all the money. He's flashing a wad. That's right. In fact, I have a passage that I could read. Oh, please. Uh, Let's see. Prepare yourselves, listeners. This is the cringiest character I think ever committed to the page. That's probably overstating it, but he's pretty bad. (laughs) So first of all, he's dressed in an expensive-looking shirt and pants, a far cry from his usual jeans and rugby shirt. Okay. What do you guys have? I'm taking orders. It's on me. Uh Uh-oh, Enid muttered under her breath. An uneasy silence fell over the table. Elizabeth remembered all too well that Ronnie had once been Enid's boyfriend, and she could never forget the rotten way he had treated Enid after becoming insanely jealous over an innocent letter she had received from a former boyfriend. Ronnie stood by the table, his sapphire blue eyes twinkling. Come on, don't be shy. Get whatever you want. You guys deserve nothing but the best. Elizabeth gave Jeffrey an uncertain look. He smiled at Ronnie. Uh, that's really nice of you, he said, but we're all set. Besides, there are a lot of people at the table. Hey, money is no object, Ronnie insisted. With a flourish, he pulled a wad of bills out of his pocket. I got a good deal on my Mustang convertible, and somehow I had all this left over, too. Not bad, huh? Elizabeth noticed three surly-looking guys at the counter who were staring intently at Ronnie's money. They looked too old to be high school students, and with their sunglasses, beard stubble, and leather jackets, they seemed like the kind of guys it would be better to stay away from. Elizabeth hoped that Ronnie would quiet down and put his money away before they got too interested. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> that's the, you know, the rest of the kids comment on it and everything, mm-hmm. but that's Ronnie's, you know, he's, he's in the money. Where did he get all this money? People are wondering. As well they should. Um, can I spoil where he gets the money? 
<laughs> yes, as it is kind of a central a central theme of this particular book, Against the Odds. Okay. Um, Ronnie is a stupid idiot who has gotten involved with uh, the wide world of high school betting. And he thinks that he and his bookie are like real good friends. Turns out the bookie actually loaned him the Mustang. I was pretty sure they were going to find a body in the trunk of that Mustang, but that does not happen, sadly. Anyway, <laughs> he's in deep with this bookie, and he thinks he's riding high, and he's really good at picking sports games. Little does he know, Big Al has some plans for old Ronnie. <laughs> yeah. So we've got this guy, Big Al. Um, his name is Al Remsen, who, like, he has a whole racket surrounding betting, placing bets, taking books for high school and college games. Now, college games is one thing. High school games, it's a little just sad. seems like a new level of sleazy. It is yeah. sad. <laughs> and so the, it makes Ronnie that much sadder by extension, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's in huge trouble. He's not in trouble yet. Like, at the outset... I actually thought at this point in the book that Ronnie, he'd been making such good bets that, you know, he'd been making a lot of money from it. But we learned that it's actually more complicated than that. Like, he was so successful in his early bets that Mm -hmm. Al has given him loans, basically loaned him this Mustang, loaned him this extra money. And it's kind of, it's it's really a dirty trick. I, maybe this is a common bookie thing. Maybe, I, I really don't know enough about the world of, of uh, <laughs> high stakes high school betting. <laughs> <laughs> or, even, or even like adult sports betting. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, all those adult sports that are <laughs> on the television and stuff. It's at least They're, a very common evil movie villain bookie trick to loan people money yeah. that they don't have. And then, I mean, that's how they really make their money, right? They probably don't make, they make some money from betting, but they make more money from, you know, threatening people with broken from, kneecaps. Yeah. According to the movies, I don't know about real life. Right. I mean, and Ronnie, I mean, Ronnie is, he's just a dumb 16 year old. The book establishes that he's never had much money. The common theme in these books, you know, the kids that don't have a lot of money are really sad about it. It's hard to be that kid. And that's, that's real, but this is the way that Ronnie has chosen to deal with it. Actually, I'll read this passage because it introduces Big Al and it gives us a little bit of a mindset that Ronnie is in and, you know, attempts to help us to sympathize with this character, Ronnie, who we're going to have to sympathize with at least a little bit to care about what happens to him. Okay, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Ronnie smiled as he followed Bruno to the back of the Dairy Burger. Bruno is one of the guys, the stubble guys, that was uh, looking at Ronnie. (laughs) And, uh, and like, basically says, hey, I hear you talking about this Mustang you've got. Like, I've got a Lamborghini out back. Like, let me show you. And they, he goes to look at it. And Elizabeth is, like, listening in, like, uh-oh, uh, that seems bad. <laughs> <laughs> so she's right. But typical Elizabeth meddling. Like, she's got her eyes on these. She's, like, a little detective, Elizabeth. Yeah. And she's total got her side eyes note, on it, these bad not, guys. Unre- not related at all, but maybe I've just watched too much porn, but Bruno is not a threatening name to me anymore. But anyway, <laughs> continue. Well, it's like an earlier one of these books where they actually call out what a scary drug dealer named Buzz is. And I'm like, that was my grandpa's <laughs> name. <laughs> That's an astronaut name. <laughs> right, right. Anyway, uh, okay. Returning to the passage. For months, he had been driving around the old Toyota his mother had left behind after his parents' divorce. Who'd have ever thought he'd ever drive a car nice enough to think about hiding? Thank you, Big Al, he thought. 
Even though he had never met Al Remsen, Ronnie felt as if the man had changed his life. Things hadn't been going too well between Ronnie and his father lately, and money had been tight. Ronnie had heard of Big Al through a customer at his father's all-night grocery store. At first, he had been reluctant to deal with a bookie, especially Big Al, who had a reputation as the coldest, toughest guy in the business. But he was also the richest, and the whole thing had turned out to be so easy. All Ronnie had to do was put down a few dollars on high school teams from Al's sheet, which listed the odds on all the area games. Ronnie seemed to have a knack for betting, and each week his winnings grew. Soon Al had become like an uncle to him, letting him bet on credit, lending him the car. Ronnie laughed to himself over his white lie about the Mustang. He knew it wouldn't hurt anyone to think he actually owned it. <laughs> so, Ronnie, he, he, he continues with this, like, the next day in school. He's talking about all the money he has. Mm-hmm. Oh, not before, not before. Jeffrey, like, saves the day when, you know... Oh, yeah. Because Ronnie's about to get beaten up by Bruno. Like, he's having this reverie I just read. But what's happening is he's about to be... Uh, shook down, right, for the cash that he's been flashing around. Now, Bruno works for Big Al? I thought Bruno was just a random guy skeeving on teens at the Die Rye Burger. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're probably right, actually. I said earlier that Bruno was another henchman, but I guess he's just a henchman type. Yeah. He's just a lowlife. You get him Uh, from Henchman's (laughs) R Us down on Sunset Boulevard in Sweet Valley, yeah. Oh, I should add this passage on page 17. So Jeffrey is kind of like tipped off by Elizabeth that something might be up. He hears a scream. He comes around the corner and um, (laughs) Bruno... <laughs> Bruno. Oh no, it's not Bruno. It's the dark-haired guy who doesn't have a name. Mm-hmm. Bruno is blonde. Of course he's. Of, of course. course he is. Just like Sasha Baron Cohen as uh, Bruno. Um, okay. So <laughs> Jeffrey says something about how it doesn't seem like a fair fight. Who is this dude? The dark-haired guy asked. He he's the star of the soccer team. Ronnie blurted. Bruno looked at Jeffrey with disdain. <laughs> well, star, he said. I think you're in the wrong place. You wouldn't score too many goals with a crushed foot. Right, guys? So anyway, I just thought, who is this dude? Is such a <laughs> this dude who is threatening this dude? teen. And it's also like, <laughs> he's I the mean, soccer star. He's the soccer star. Two underweight teens against three grown men. That's I a know. fair fight now. Especially when one of the, the teens is sniveling on the ground, is really... practically. Anyway. Yeah, the book describes Jeffrey, though, as being tall and kind of like taller than these guys who must have been i guess kind of small yeah and he says like he he brushes it off when ronnie like thanks him so much for saving his saving his life ronnie says his big secret is that he's never been any good in a fight (laughs) which makes me sad yeah he can only beat up his girlfriends apparently look i don't love ronnie (laughs) (laughs) ronnie's a tool and i wish the book ended with his funeral but maybe that's just me We have had too many, too many books ending in funerals at this point. So no, but seriously, <laughs> so we, we can get into this if you like, because I mean, you know, the the plot plays out pretty much like you'd expect, and we can get into that. But I think it's important to establish what kind of character Ronnie is, because he is yeah. very, very annoying. He he's a sort yeah. of person and that we've book- all met in our real lives. They even Elizabeth yeah, even who, describes like, can't him. Take a hint. He tries too hard, and in the worst way possible. <laughs> I think his worst characteristic is this thing of, like, 
he won't just give some like leave someone in peace you know like he won't take a hint he's he's very self-centered his his whole relationships with anybody else is all about what they can do for him yeah you know but he makes it seem like he cares about them so that he can get something out of them yeah and he Um, and i wish the book suggested that he changed by the end that he's doing that he thinks that he's like, oh, I don't no. understand why no one likes me. And it's like, it's very obvious why no one <laughs> likes you. You're a very unlikable person. <laughs> right. I know that's a really harsh thing to say to a fictional teen, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, it is true. And I think that the book presents him that way, too. I, mean, I mentioned that the book is attempting to have us be sympathetic to Ronnie. And I think that it is doing that. But it also, you know, Ronnie is a problematic figure, like one of the main purposes he serves in this book is to cause conflict between Elizabeth and Jeffrey. Because after Jeffrey saves the day for Ronnie, he he now has sympathy for Ronnie, right? Mm-hmm. He thinks, you know, people don't really like this guy. Maybe he finds out about Ronnie's betting. He's like, maybe if people were nicer to him, he wouldn't feel like he needed to gamble. It's a big jump, but Jeffrey starts to feel really bad for Ronnie. Well, this is um, the despicable thing about people like Ronnie, is that everyone goes around telling themselves, well, he's not such a bad guy. I should just give him more of a chance. When he is literally doing bad things, there are very good, concrete, solid reasons not to give Ronnie a chance and to not be his friend. <laughs> right. And yet, no, Ronnie inst- just like in society, not to get all political or whatever for a second, <laughs> but people just keep giving him chance after chance and not taking his deep issues seriously. And just like, oh, well, you know, he doesn't mean poorly. He doesn't mean bad. And it's like, it doesn't matter. He causes harm. <laughs> And I'm, I have very little patience with these type of people nowadays. No, no. <laughs> I would say, in all fairness to the book, I think the only person who's really doing that for most of the book is Jeffrey. And everybody else is a little bit confused about it because True. Ronnie is this unliked guy. Jeffrey even says right after this uh, to, to Ronnie, after what you've been through, you could use an ice cream soda. <laughs> Which I thought was very wholesome and cute. <laughs> okay, so finally, this is the whole, we just presented basically like the first couple chapters of the book to you. Like, that's what this whole first half hour of the episode <laughs> has been. But that sets up, you know, everything that's going to happen next, which is the next thing that happens is that we learn about the B plot, which is uh, Jessica has been making earrings. <laughs> she has a sudden new interest, and this time it's designing earrings. Mm-hmm. And sometimes necklaces. Sometimes necklaces, yeah. The earrings are purportedly very large, heavy, and ugly. Mm -hmm. I'm intrigued. Like, when I hear these earrings described (laughs) as looking like big big ornaments or, like, having feathers and being brightly colored, being vaguely ugly. I mean, rhinestones. I'm an earring person. I'm kind of like, I want to see these earrings, and I probably want to buy them. I know. (laughs) Taste is relative. Like, there are some characters who are like, I don't know, it's so ugly. But even those characters admit to themselves secretly, at least Elizabeth does, that they look kind of good on the person that is wearing them. Like it well, complements their coloring knows her or something audience. like that. Yeah. Jessica is like serving a buyer that is like her, mm-hmm. where they're interested in trying something outlandish. And she knows that if she can have the popular girls, who she has in her thrall, mm-hmm. wear these earrings, that they can become the next hot thing because that's how trends work. We all know that fashion trends are not based on like what is objectively the most beautiful, elegant, or flattering That's very true. Look. People wore half gloves, and it wasn't even that long ago. 
Right. So Jessica is sitting at the lunch table. And now that Ronnie and Jeffrey are like best friends, Jeffrey comes in. He's late to meet Elizabeth for lunch, which he's upset about. And she's like, and he's with Ronnie, who sucks. Like, why are they talking? Like, why did Ronnie keep Jeffrey from his lunch date with me, Elizabeth, his girlfriend? Um, well, it's also, that might she, also be part of what makes me hate Ronnie, though, because Elizabeth is like 100% anti-Ronnie. And Elizabeth is the most kindest, forgiving person in all of Sweet Valley. So if she's done with this douchebag, it's like, so should we be. Yeah. The book even establishes that, like, Elizabeth tries to be nice to Amy Sutton and Lila Fowler, you know, because they're Jessica's Mm -hmm. friends. So (laughs) it does kind of set up that if she doesn't like him, he must be bad. That was actually a fun tangent I enjoyed was Jessica's friends and how supportive they were of her budding jewelry designing business to the degree where they went and they bought her jewelry and talked it up and were just being very nice and very like what real friends behave like, which is not what you expect from popular girl tropes in teen books. That's true. Or even these teen books. Mm -hmm. Jessica goes to a a new boutique at the mall that I don't remember hearing of called Treasure Island. (laughs) Uh, where she's going to sell her jewelry. She's, she's like, sets up this meeting. Like, you should carry, like, wholesale this jewelry. <laughs> now, she doesn't have very many pieces of jewelry yet. And at the time that she's talking about wanting to make more jewelry, she's just in this Jessica mode of being really excited about the prospect of a new venture. Mm-hmm. And she has dollar signs in her eyes, which is also Jessica Wakefield's typical MO <laughs> with any new venture. She's going to make it big. She's got a lot of confidence, got to respect that. But um, she just jumps straight to the end game of how she's rich and famous. <laughs> uh, but so she's talking about how she would need money to make all of the jewelry, like seed money. And the amount of money that she says she needs is $500, (laughs) which I was, when I read that, I was like, that's how much, that would have been so much money now. Yeah. If a high schooler was like, I just need $500 to start my business. That would be a lot. But literally in 1989, when this book was written, I did them, I did, I went online, like I did the calculation. It would have been over a thousand dollars in today's money. Wow. So you have this chick just casually talking at the lunch table about how she wishes she could get a loan of $1,000. Now, if you were really starting a a real business, that wouldn't be very much seed money. But this is not a real business. No, this this is is ugly plastic earrings that she glues glues rhinestones to. But like she tells Ronnie... She's made like three or four pairs of so far. And that's how how far ahead she's jumped. But she wants to buy beads in bulk. Those supplies are not that expensive. Really like, go not. to Michael's, you know. You can buy a whole bag of earring hooks <laughs> for, like, $1.50. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, like lots of earring hooks. But whatever she's doing, she's got, she, she quotes the things. She's going to use semi-precious stones and gemstones mm-hmm. and the feathers. And she wants some things to be set in gold and gold plate and silver. So, she's got her, she's got, I don't know how she's doing all this jewelry making, but... <laughs> Ronnie, of course, says that he could probably loan her the money because he's all flush with cash. But that only lasts another, like, five seconds Mm -hmm. because it's, like, the next day (laughs) when Ronnie has, you know, his debts have been called up and now he's in trouble with Big Al. Mm -hmm. Well, Big Al smells blood in the water. He's got Ronnie in his pocket. And since Sweet Valley won that soccer game and are going into the finals or... Whatever a soccer soccer big game is called. 
<laughs> very very sports literate it's I am. It's the championship. Jim Big Al thinks that he has an in at this high school with this child, and he can get this kid basically to help him fix the soccer game. And so that is there's yeah. the crux of our thing. Jeffrey was nice to this uh, kid one damn time, and all of a sudden, next yeah. day, Ronnie's coming up to him. Hey, bud, if you don't can make you- sure that Sweet Valley only wins by two points for reasons, I'm going to get kneecapped or killed. <laughs> and Jeffrey's like, well, this is really- I do not have the mental capacity to deal with this right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is very commendable summarizing because you have really gotten to the heart of it. Mm-hmm. I want to just add in a couple of little details that I think Absolutely. are weird and interesting. Before he even knows about the game fixing, he just knows that he owes he this is why the I referenced two thousand dollars as being the cost of the the what a teenager's life is worth in the opening of this episode. He owes Big L two thousand mm-hmm. dollars. He asks Jeffrey to lend him like five hundred dollars. Which no like, teenager has <laughs> then he lowers it to 100 Then he lowers it to 50 And Jeffrey's like, I have $25. <laughs> I will give it to you. So then Ronnie's like, okay, well, good thing I've got this Phi Epsilon meeting tonight because I can ask those dudes to loan me money. They're good for it. What's a fraternity for if not for asking bros for money? Also, you know? can you answer from a previous book? How did Ronnie get into this fraternity if he's so unlikable? I think unlikability is like a really great quality if you want to be a member of Phi Epsilon. <laughs> okay, yeah, They're like looking yep. for the least likable dudes to join their club. Fair enough. I mean, Bruce Patton is probably the president, so there you go. Uh, yeah. The, the book so far that has dealt the most with this fraternity mostly showcased uh, what shits they were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that of that, their that cruel yeah. and unusual hazing process. Uh where, I don't know, it was funny. Anyway, but, long story short, yeah. no one wants to lend Ronnie money, which is not they at all surprising. Because they don't have any money. They're they don't teenagers. have any money. I mean, Bruce Patman has money, I guess. but Yeah, but you know, rich people are just throwing their money. money like, truly, yeah. rich, Bruce Patman is old money. You know, like, mm-hmm. he knows better than anybody that, like, you, you don't he, just he's throw not going to throw <laughs> cash. Like, you'll never see that money again. He even makes a joke about how he has to call his, like, financial analyst or something yep. to see if he can move some money around. <laughs> so very rich guy joke. Love that. Um, but so Ronnie has to call Big Al, and he has a code name with Big Al. His code name is Small Fry, which already you know you're into some shady gangster <laughs> shit. If you have to, and Small Fry also, it's like Big Al. Come on, dude, this is a 16 year old boy. Yeah, but I want to read a little bit of this phone conversation. He tells Big Al he has some of the two thousand dollars he owes him, which is a bit of a stretch. Some, some, yeah, yeah. <laughs> some. How much is some? Um, twenty five dollars. 25? Big Al's voice was so loud that Ronnie was afraid the Patman's maid would hear it. I'm a patient man, small fry, he said, his voice seething with rage. It takes a lot to get me rattled. But you know what? You ought to be kissing the ground, kid. Because if I were right there this minute, you would be wallpaper. Understood? Understood, Ronnie blurted. Listen, Big Al, this was just a fluke. I'm good for the money. I'll pay you after the weekend, I promise. If there's any other way I can make this up to you, just tell me. There was a chilling silence at the other end. When Big Al finally spoke, his voice was soft and composed. You're in luck, small fry. In fact, right now you're the luckiest twerp in California. (laughs) 
sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm making him from New York or whatever <laughs> sure, why that is. But it's just generic gangster accent, number one. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's how this book writes them. Like, I was thinking about making Bruno's voice more of like a, who's this dude? Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like Michelangelo from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But. Well, he is hanging out at the Die Rye Burger, which probably has excellent pizzas. <laughs> You're driving the gladiators insane right now, Mary. <laughs> Just because dairy is spelled with an I doesn't mean that it's any less dairy. It Although maybe two that eyes is a loophole. <laughs> like some kind of um some kind of uh, loophole, but if they put I in the name, like with the FDA or whatever, if they put the I in the name, they're oh, allowed to serve. Okay, like, I take back everything. <laughs> They don't have to serve real milk products since it's the dye rye instead of the dairy burger. <laughs> Love it. You know, a fun side note behind the scenes of Sweet Valley Diaries production, about 45% of the time when I am typing the phrase Sweet Valley Diaries, I type Sweet Valley Dairies <laughs> instead. So anyway, uh, so where were we? Big. So, so as Mary already uh, mentioned, the, what Big Al's asking is basically for the spread to be two points. Like if we we know that Sweet Valley is a lock to win this game against Big Mesa because Big Mesa's star player, whose name is Jack Everly. I wish we got to see. Or Jack hear Everly more of him is he the, probably sexy. the sexiest name of all of the names that we've encountered so far. I'm glad you agree with me about this. Mm-hmm. Sounds very sexy. He appears in the book later because he supposedly he's too injured to play. Turns out he's healed up. It was all the rumors were true. He's going to be back on the court. That's but we still don't really get a look <laughs> at him or a good description court. of him. <laughs> when it's soccer. <laughs> Shit. Okay, back on the field. Well, you know what? I'm going to actually go matter. ahead and say that the book doesn't know any better either. It because doesn't. The book refers to the to quarters in the soccer. They match, do refer to quarters, and I know that there aren't. Isn't quarters. that how soccer works? No. Maybe in maybe in 1989, California high school or something, but I don't think so. It could be. Soccer has periods and there are two. Yeah. Not four. That I know. I did know that. <laughs> I checked with my dad, too. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> to make sure that I wasn't just making that up. So the other thing that's going on with Jeffrey is that he's going to have a – he feels like he's at risk of not scoring well enough on his upcoming chemistry exam mm-hmm. to get a C in the class, which would make him, according to new rules at Sweet Valley High, ineligible to play soccer next year if he can't get at least a C in in all of his classes. Right. This Each is probably the most um, uh, typically high school problem in this book, worrying mm-hmm. about one specific test. Yeah, and we've seen this plotline in many a uh, high school movie, a high school book, you know. What if the jocks can't get good enough grades? <laughs> then everything will be ruined. Right. So all of the guys in the soccer team convince chemistry teacher, Mr. Russo, to let them to take the test early on Friday in the afternoon so that they can get out early to practice for the big game on Saturday and they'll be too distracted at the end of the day when the test is supposed to be. So they're yeah. all the soccer guys during lunch period are taking their chemistry exam. This is fair actually, because I guess a lot of them Alexa, a lot of them have chemistry at the very end of the day on Friday, which to be fair is a terrible time to give teenagers important tests. Yeah, absolutely. 
I, I feel like probably what Mr. Russo should have done is said, hey, anybody who wants to take the test on during lunch Absolutely. period can. <laughs> but uh, the soccer team does. Um, in the meanwhile, Ronnie has had a very frightening kind of like scare by one of Big Al's henchmen who has basically been following him to school the, on Friday morning, just like to scare him. Yeah. Like, oh, he, this he, is the part I really like your input in on, Marissa. Um, they engage in a uh, somewhat high-speed car chase that is foiled by traffic. Now, th- is that the most California thing that happens in this book or not? I, th- I think it might, might be the most California thing that's happened in this entire series <laughs> so far. He gets on the on-ramp. He realizes he's going the wrong way. He's headed toward the beach, and he's going to have to get off the freeway. And then the traffic is backed up, so he has to he has no choice but to get out of his car and run. <laughs> So, yeah, sometimes getting out of your car and running is the that. best way to get to if get you're out in of California. Chase, just if you're just in get California. off your feet. I love the so, realism of that. Yeah, me too. Me too. I was like, I could really picture it. I was picturing like Santa Monica exit. Like, <laughs> oh, that would be a long, hard. Anyway, um, <laughs> off of the uh, CA1, also known as the PCH, Pacific Coast Highway, California 1. That's it's a famous famous highway. <laughs> didn't they get <laughs> famous, didn't they get like washed out recently? That's not important. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, um, it's okay now. Okay, good. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was worried. It's the one that goes. It's the one that goes along the the coast. So it's, yeah, yeah, they have it in all in the car A lot of movies and yeah, yeah. At this point, Ronnie is really. By the time he gets to school, he's like has a single focus, and it is getting like finding Jeffrey so that he can make sure that Jeffrey is willing to throw this game, which Jeffrey has not indicated that he is yet. And, and, and this right. is kind of weird, right? Because Jeffrey, the book acknowledges this. Even Ronnie and Jeffrey acknowledge it. Jeffrey has only so much power to make sure <laughs> that the that the gladiators win by exactly two points, right? Exactly. And He's only one man. Yeah. I, I, from my understanding in soccer, it is extremely hard to score goals, which is why you have professional-level games that are at zero the entire time. I know mean, oh, this is high yeah. school, so it might be a little bit easier, but it, it, it seems a little bit insane <laughs> to expect one player to be able to control two points to that degree. Absolutely. I mean, Jeffrey is a great player, but I think the idea is that they all think that because Jeffrey can score so well and because Jack Everly won't be playing, mm-hmm. Jeffrey could just like score goals at will. He could just keep on scoring goals all night long. Sure. I mean, all day long, all game, all match long. Yeah. <laughs> that is, ex- that and, is what uh, they think anyway. Yeah. So he's very incensed. He accuses ronnie of trying to rope him into something illegal ronnie keeps on asking about this and ronnie even tries to interrupt the chemistry test to talk to jeffrey Mm -hmm. and potentially you know fucks it up for jeffrey like jeffrey is yeah he distracts him the teacher bless his heart blocks him at the door but i'm not sure why the door is even open um, anyway. This is so great. I'm gonna. I want to read what Mr. Russo <laughs> oh, yes, says when, when uh, Ronnie tries to get into the room. Um, Ronnie has found Elizabeth first, and Elizabeth is already kind of pissed off that Jeffrey is talking to Ronnie about stuff. She's overheard conversations between them that suspicious I don't know. Or maybe conversations. She hasn't yet. Yeah. She just thinks the whole thing is a little bit shady, and she continues to feel that Jeffrey is hiding something from her about Ronnie, and like, why is he even hanging out with Ronnie? Ronnie sucks, and also you could be spending time with me. <laughs> is also at the core of that. 
Um, like you're blowing me off for Ronnie, who you don't even really seem to like, but you're letting him, you know, ruin your studying. You're letting him interrupt your test, etc. Mm-hmm. But okay, so Ronnie goes to the room. Look, you can get suspended for this, Mr. Russo said. There's a test going on. I know, I know, Ronnie answered. Just let me talk to Jeff for a minute. It's really important. The four other soccer players in the room all looked up in surprise. What is going on here? Jeffrey wondered. He felt his face turning beet red. Listen, Ronnie, Mr. Russo said in a firm, angry voice. I'm going to give you a chance to stand here like a considerate human being and wait ten minutes until the test is over. If you so much as say one more word or move one inch closer to me, I swear I will suspend you so fast your head will spin. Understood? <laughs> Whoa, all right, Mr. Russo, Toby Esteban blurted. <laughs> so they're all excited. And Mr. Russo's laying down the law against Ronnie, because, again, Ronnie sucks. Yeah. And, um... Ronnie call, referred to Jeffrey as Jeff, and he does that again now, and Jeffrey is so pissed off. He's like, nobody calls me Jeff, <laughs> dude. He's like, why did you tell me that sooner? Just <laughs> like, go away. <laughs> You're ruining my life. But but he notices that Ronnie has sand on his shoes. Oh, my God. And then he notices how, like, pale and gaunt and, like, messed up hair, mm-hmm. must hair, uh, Ronnie has. And he looks awful, and he realizes that Ronnie might be in real trouble. And sure, Ronnie has been, like, roughed up a little bit. Yeah, by... he, got, he got sucker punched by uh, Max. Yeah. Which was the best part of the book, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so now, Jeffrey, his sense of right and wrong is super confused because he knows it's wrong to throw the game mm-hmm. and to let down his teammates. This is a sports boy, right? Like, he... <laughs> the, the sports uh, ethics in a sports boy is just, like... I think this this They're probably extends into dry, manhood, yeah. right? Yeah, there's not really like, a gray area there. I feel like you could ask the biggest, like, least ethical shithead dude, adult man. This is my theory that I'm that I'm purporting. Okay, about his feelings about various like ethical quandaries or like what what does it mean to be a good human, mm-hmm. like humane treatment of others. He might not care about anybody but himself. Mm-hmm. But if this guy is like a sports guy and you ask him about his loyalty to his team and what he owes his team, mm-hmm. I could easily imagine the same guy really being just having the highest standard of like ethical behavior towards <laughs> towards the idea of of team sports and who your team is. Absolutely. So that's that's interesting. I think if I'm right, which I'm just making this shit up, yep. so who knows, but uh, but I feel like empirically there are many people like this yeah. in the world. It also uh, takes and Jeffrey is not a bad guy. Yeah. So Yeah. Well, it, it just but he's a very stupid guy because it's like you come your friend comes up to you <laughs> He's like, I'm in deep with an adult bookie. Um, I'm a child and you are a child. We need to fix this. What do you do? You call the police. My God, this guy has chased you off a highway, sucker punched you. You are a 16-year-old infant. You call the police. And you're saying you you, are, you are. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like you started saying you, maybe I'm wrong, we're the you, uh, Jeffrey, and Jeffrey should have called the cops too. Yes. But also Ronnie should have called the cops. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I can understand why Ronnie didn't. I'm sure he's afraid of getting in trouble himself because he's been illegally betting. He should be more afraid but, of getting murdered by a bookie because that's a little more scary yeah. than being grounded. In and my you know personal what? opinion. If movies have taught us anything about how gangster shit works, mm-hmm. Ronnie could have gotten off easy because he would have tattled, you know? Mm-hmm. He would have been a snitch. That's right. And then he would have gotten a plea deal or something. He's 16. Am I using He's those words properly? I really don't know. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let, no. let's clarify. He's 16. This is a book from the 80s, and he's middle class and white. He's not going to prison. 
Mm-hmm. Right, right. They're probably not even going to take him in. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, we know it's the 80s. They're going to be like, listen, kid, do better. Yeah. We know it's the 80s because <laughs> at a later point in the book, Jessica and Elizabeth's mom is described as wearing a silk shirt with shoulder pads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alice Wakefield makes an appearance in this book um, to, you know, once again, look like their older mm-hmm. sister, have a beautiful page boy haircut, which always confuses me. <laughs> Jeffrey is is wrestling with this moral conundrum. Do I betray my deeply held sports beliefs or do I help my friend by, not even my friend, this guy I don't even like. By throwing a game. He also wrestles yeah, with but, the deep moral conundrum of should he tell Elizabeth that this is a problem that he's having. Right. Because then he's betraying Ronnie's trust, which is really, like, when it comes to betraying people's trust, these kids are, they do not know what they're doing. Like, they, they have no <laughs> consistency about who who they'll betray and who they won't betray. It's really... It's very odd, yeah. It's like one minute... Snitches get stitches. The other minute, Elizabeth is writing it all in her column in the in the gossip page of the school newspaper. There are no rules. Cleverly hid behind people's initials, so no one will know who she's talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but it's bigger though than just Ronnie being in trouble. It's like they kind of think like Ronnie's gonna die mm-hmm. if he doesn't. Like he's gonna get killed if he doesn't pay this money back. They do. They fully think that he's gonna be murdered by Big Al yeah. and his henchman Max. So now Jeffrey's like, well, I can't let this guy die because of me. It's just two points. You know? <laughs> and I also can't tattle because really... that would be even worse than, <laughs> right, right. than someone being murdered. So I guess I'll have to throw the game. Aw. It's like, no. <laughs> Call the police. So anyway. now is as good a time as any, I think, to pivot for a minute into Jessica's storyline. Because I mentioned Alice Wakefield. Alice Wakefield, she starts by giving Jessica shit for, Jessica says, in a moment that made me very happy, like, mom, this is not going to be like Tofu Glow, like, (laughs) just drop it, which Tofu Glow was the high point in the book series for me thus far, where Jessica made a really bad business decision, and it was very expensive. Spoiler alert, this is going to be exactly like (laughs) Tofu Glow, except that Jessica does have much better, like, she does have better business instincts, it's just that... Yeah, but her Jessica instincts still kick in, you know? They're there. She hasn't grown out of them yet. Quite frankly, this is a plot line, and once you get into it, just for the record, I have no sympathy for Jessica's parents in this moment. (laughs) Right, because because even Jessica, much to her credit, is able to talk her mother into loaning her $200. Cash. Which, again, in Mm -hmm. 2021 money is like $400. Which is just so much money Mm -hmm. to a high schooler. Especially to give to someone like Jessica. And to buy jewelry supplies. (laughs) Like, give her a cold 20, let her go down to the Ben and Franklin (laughs) and buy some craft supplies. (laughs) She'll she'll make out like gangbusters with a $20 bill at Ben Franklin. Okay. Anyway. This is my youth. I know know from crafting supplies. First mistake. Her mom agrees to give her $200 cash. But like, okay, fine. Yeah. She's got $200. She'll give her daughter $200 uh-huh. cash. Bad idea. Whatever. Jessica gets on the phone with her supplier, her jewelry guy. <laughs> Apparently there's a warehouse that she is a frequenter of. And that's local. Yeah. He talks her into buying $900 worth of supplies. But of course, because it's cheaper if you buy in bulk, knows, you know? He knows full damn well that he's not going to give her anything that she's going to have to make payments on or anything like that. Like, no, bring me cash or bring me a credit card. 
Right. She doesn't have a credit card. So now she's back into, I know somebody who told me he'd lend me $1,000, even though I was only asking for 500 right. back then. So she's hunt- the next day at school, she's hunting down Ronnie Edwards to try to get him to give her $1,000. I thought this was going to go somewhere. It, it really could, It really didn't. I think it was just a m- way to match up Ronnie's story and Jessica's story. But it's like, he's yeah. like, I don't have money. Go away. So she goes away. <laughs> I mean, it's the, really the end of that. Right. She goes back and to her mom. And admits yeah. she needs and more money. Yeah. Her she's mom like, guesses only there some was a way. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Jessica says, essentially, if only there was some way that I could have the money now, but pay it back gradually <laughs> over time. And mom realizes that she's talking about a credit card. Mm-hmm. She tells her mom she only needs $500. Her mom is like, yeah, I'm not going to give you $500. That's crazy. But still. <laughs> but, but I will give you my credit card and you are responsible the mom tells her to make the minimum payment every month which I also again my not how credit wide. cards work <laughs> yeah. awful like, advice yeah, you do have to you do have to make the minimum payment each month to avoid having your credit card cancelled or whatever but but that's not a good way to pay down your debt no another good it's thing good to, to not not do if you want to avoid debt is uh don't give your credit card to a freaking teenage girl who has no impulse <laughs> well, control just some life advice i'm realizing now that we're talking about it that it really makes no sense at all because Absolutely of interest not. charges right if you the whole point of buying of spending so much money on the supplies is that jessica doesn't want to cut into her profit margin she knows that mm-hmm. if you buy if you buy in bulk and presuming she can sell it all She'll make a much bigger profit because she's spent less money on each individual item. And she's not wrong with her typical Jessica confidence. She's thinking that she's going to sell everything right away. Right. She's but right about that, you know. Even if even if she does, she did sell everything right away. That profit margin gets totally erased <laughs> if she's paying interest charges every month for God knows how long. It could be years to pay off that much money. Yeah. Um, uh, she doesn't know anything about credit cards, no job. Though, which again, it's not her fault. Well, she's apparently, a, she's Alice a child. doesn't either. Right? Yeah. The the real right. the real yeah, villain that's here a good point, Mary. is the mother. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even blame Jessica, who, from her own weird Jessica logic, does actually think that she is making a smart choice. And, you know, if she was a real business person, on paper, she would be. But she's not. She's an infant, so she's making a terrible decision, compounded by the fact that she's gotten a credit card from her mother. So it's the adults who are so good. Oh my goodness. I really I related to the story a little bit. But Jessica also puts in a lot of work, like making a bunch of supplies. And she does it because the woman, Ms. starts with an O. Lucier, I name think. Is... From Treasure. Yes. I want to keep saying Treasure Lucy, Planet, yes. but it's not say... Treasure Planet. <laughs> it's Treasure Island. Treasure so, Island. So Treasure Planet and Treasure Island are the same. Yeah, uh, sure. They just one is a planet and one is an island. It's just updated for, you know, 21st century <laughs> sensibilities. Ms. Lucier is the woman at Treasure Island, and she is like, wow, Jessica, you know, these are really selling well. I want to order a whole bunch of them. I, we would love to get a hot new designer off on her best foot. So she, like, pumps Jessica mm-hmm. up, and that's what fuels her buying all of this stuff and making all the jewelry. She spends all Friday night or whatever, like, locked away in the basement, <laughs> creating lots and lots of jewelry only to find out after she's bought the supplies and used them to make the jewelry that Treasure Island's manager has decided that they're going to go a different direction with their whole vibe and they're not going to be trendy jewelry sellers anymore. Just clothes and shoes. 
Which makes yeah. me wonder, who is this Mrs. Lucier, and why does she get control over some of the inventory <laughs> earlier? Yeah. Like, yeah. who is this right. person? It seems she's like not she's the, the manager boss, or the owner. But then you find out she's not the boss. Not the yeah. boss. <laughs> uh, so I'm wondering about the, the, the business model of this place that sells random jewelry from people they find on the street, but also trendy clothes and shoes. It's not a type so of business model this I'm familiar story. with. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it was definitely confusing, but it's set up perfectly to, you know, fuck up Jessica's life. And uh, <laughs> this whole time they planted earlier, you know, Chekhov's uh, job posting. <laughs> Chekhov's help wanted sign. <laughs> yeah, they are hiring a new employee at Treasure Island. And at the end of the book, when Jessica's like, how am I going to pay back this credit card bill? <laughs> she jokes to her parents that she could get a job at Treasure Island because they're looking for a sales girl. And the parents are like, oh, yeah, you should definitely do that. They'll hire you for sure because they know th- that you're such a good saleswoman. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what do you mean? Like, I, I was a jewelry designer. I can't go down to being a lowly sales girl. <laughs> it's really despicable. It's gross. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. At least the parents are able to find a, job, a logical though. solution that I'm sure will end well in a future book. <laughs> I'm just really curious to see if Jessica is working at Treasure Island in the next book or if this just gets dropped off the face of the planet. If you want my prediction, and you can give a little ding-ding if, if it turns out to be true, I suspect that Jessica will start spending all of her employee discount and paycheck at Treasure Island, <laughs> thus making <laughs> no money for her parents' payments, which honestly would still serve them right. <laughs> <laughs> right, you earned this. This uh, <laughs> you deserve this treatment. Um, all right, let's get back to the main story. Yes, we've got Jeffrey, poor Jeffrey, who is really shaken up about this whole conundrum, and he he's losing sleep. And on top of it all, now there's a, a scout from a college that's the good good soccer college in the His area. Top in college, fact, his dream school. Yeah, who is scout there to scout specifically him, not even to look at Aaron Dallas or Brad Tomasi or any <laughs> of the other guys. He's Smitty, there old, just good to old Smitty. Yep. <laughs> so here's what the book says about this school. Elizabeth is the first one to hear from sports writer John Pfeiffer about, about the scout. Jeffrey doesn't even know yet. You didn't know? Some big honcho from Bramford College is coming to the game. Elizabeth's eyes widened. Are you serious? They're one of the big soccer powers on the West Coast. Jeffrey's always talking about their team. So, <laughs> I, that's just a little... I just soccer appreciated powers. that is One of the big soccer powers on the West Coast. One of the many. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I guess soccer, 1989, soccer's getting sure, to be whatever. a big deal. I don't know. Like I said, uh, and, and sports. <laughs> <laughs> so he's there to watch the big game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so then it gets to be, he's actually there to watch a practice on Friday afternoon, I think. But then we get to Saturday and Saturday's the day where everything goes down. Elizabeth goes to the game. And this is when Elizabeth makes a really weird choice in my view. She sees this big car mm-hmm. and she sees the car thing was there the, night, the day before, too. Like She knows that, like, Big Al is there. He's smoking a cigar. He's talking to Ricky. He's blowing she, smoke rings of, into yeah. Ronnie's face. 
And she's gotten the full story from Jeffrey now about what Ronnie's into and why it's so serious. And she thinks, like, there's got to be a way other than you throwing the game. There's got to be a way that we can get Ronnie out of this trouble. Oh, gosh. She can't think of what the way is. You've got this man threatening children, telling us he's going to kill this kid. God, I just, what? hmm, there's got to be something we can do. She just, she's just had, it's on the tip of her tongue, but she just can't think of it yet. Before she thinks of it, she's going to have to miss Jeffrey's game, um, which further fucks him up because he's already so in his head that he has the yips something fierce. Oh, for sure. She follows, she thinks that her best idea is to follow in the fiat Mm -hmm. this silver Trans Am or whatever it was. I'm sorry, gladiators. I can't remember what the car is. (laughs) Some big, ugly mobster car. Yeah, It's a big silver mobster car. And she drives it to a part of town that is so bad and abandoned that even Elizabeth Wakefield, Queen of Sweet Valley, hasn't been there before. There was one detail. She's only been there on her way to the dump with her father. (laughs) So this is a really bad part of town. Really bad. It's a kind of factory, factory part of town. Yep. And this, she she tries, eventually she parks so that she can like creep on foot (laughs) to follow them. And she sees that that this guy who we learn later is Max, the, the henchman, has taken Ronnie into what seems like some kind of abandoned bar mm-hmm. uh, with vertical blinds. <laughs> they were really specific about the Venetian, sorry, Venetian blinds. Venetian blinds, yeah. Now, this is when Elizabeth has her, finally, it, it comes to her what the solution to this problem like, is. Like, oh, she, this man has taken a child hostage. I know what I fi- can do. Find a rusty payphone. Yeah, finds a rusty payphone, and she gets as far as, hello, when she gets snatched by Max and taken away, and now she's kidnapped and tied up <laughs> into the rusty bar too, he's been he's been brandishing a noose. It's all very scary, and Max ties her up, and she has. The book says something I thought was really interesting because it says a lot about this series. Mm-hmm. It says that Elizabeth had been in in like really harrowing situations enough time to know that she couldn't show any fear. Yeah. I, was I like, caught Ain't that. that the truth. Elizabeth has been in some bad shit. <laughs> um, and but, also, I mean, to be fair, Max rightly clocks that Elizabeth is the real threat, not Ronnie, the sniveling coward. So he ties up Elizabeth, right. but he leaves Ronnie just like sitting on a stool in a corner. Yeah, he says he has some more rope for Ronnie, but he doesn't ever get it. (laughs) So he's basically like teasing Elizabeth, and he tells her all the stuff that he's going to do, not only to Ronnie, Mm -hmm. but also to Jeffrey. Yeah. Because now they know that he's the big scorer who was supposed to agree to the two-point thing. Um, I don't know why they even used Ronnie. They should have gone straight to Jeffrey and been like, look, kid. Well, they have leverage on Ronnie. So it's yeah, different to true. go up to someone who you have no leverage on and threaten them because then they'll be like, oh, yeah. a stranger is threatening me. Time to go to the police. But, but apparently if you get though, Ronnie to do it for yeah. you. Sure, but clearly they have no scruples if they're willing to just like, well, maybe they aren't actually going to beat up Jeffrey and Elizabeth like he threatens. Maybe that's all just talk, which is what Jeffrey says about those bad guys at the beginning sure. that are trying to mug Ronnie. So here's what um, Max says. Elizabeth's eyes flashed toward Ronnie, but he wasn't in the same spot. Slowly, tentatively, he was inching his way toward Max. When Elizabeth saw him, he waved his hand, signaling her to ignore him. So Ronnie is like, he's got a scheme up his (laughs) sleeve. Max rubbed his chin, obviously happy to have broken through Elizabeth's cruel exterior. I haven't really decided yet. 
She's asked him, what are you gonna do to us? I haven't really decided yet. I could just knock out a few teeth, break their kneecaps, or maybe I'll do something a little more fun, like tying them back to back and leaving them in the basement here. There's a nice family down there who'd like to meet them. A family of rats. Yeah, that he, Max snorted. Max snorted with laughter at his own joke. So that was a joke, I guess. <laughs> Lol. And it's like, okay, like, so the worst thing he can think of to do to Jeffrey and Max is to tie them to each other and leave them in the basement where there are rats. Yeah. Like, if he'd said, like, a family of wild coyotes, you know, a family <laughs> of bears, a family of alligators, you know, that's scary. <laughs> but a family of rats is not going to, even if you're scared of rats, like... They're yeah, gonna, no, rats aren't just going to, like, do? eat a live person when they have other options. I mean, Jeffrey could just kick him, right? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's a soccer guy. <laughs> just kick them left and right. They'll be flying around everywhere. Oh, man. Yeah. So, anyway. you know, this, this probably, you know, a lot of these books that have these kind of kidnapping or hostage-taking scenarios, as in previous books, kidnapped and hostage. <laughs> they start at the beginning, and that's, like, the thing that sets up the whole book. It's very, very quick in this book. You know, just, uh, Elizabeth gets tied up, Ronnie's in trouble, but Ronnie very quickly, like, he picks up a bottle, he smashes Max over the head, and they run away. Yeah, and yep. then they call the cops again. They yeah. drive away so that so that even if Max wakes up, he won't be able to catch them. They find another payphone. It's and they do what not, they should have done. Definitely and page one. <laughs> they call the police. Yeah. yeah. And Ronnie tells them everything. And, you yep. know? Yeah. And basically, I mean, you know, there's some stuff to wrap up. But basically, the end, the police come and deal with everything yeah. and everyone goes home happy. It's like, Jesus, guys. <laughs> well, the cops come. Oh, oh, but we didn't even tell you guys that um, <laughs> Big Al <laughs> sends a telegram to Jeffrey. Oh, yeah, that's right. We get like a little messenger boy to give this telegram to Jeffrey. It's not really Jeff a telegram, a but like the, it, no, the he water said it was boy a telegram. What the hell? He like, said it, but I don't know. He meant it literally. And they, they're like, open it, open it. Because they think it's from Elizabeth. Jeffrey reads it. He's just regained his confidence. He's like, you know what? I'm about to play the biggest game of my life with my best friends. It's going to set up my college career. Who cares screw about this Ronnie. stupid fixing thing? Yeah, screw Ronnie. Finally, thank you, Jeffrey. Yeah. And then he's sucked back into it because he gets this telegram that just reads French. If you want to see your little pal again, just make sure you don't play your best today. <laughs> Big Al. Which, again, so. you win a game and you never see Ronnie again. It's a win-win, Jeffrey. <laughs> But so somehow Elizabeth shows up at the game with Ronnie and it's it's she's missed the break the quarter halftime quarter time break whatever she <laughs> thinks she's going to talk the, to Jeffrey. Yeah, there was a first quarter and now they're into the second quarter. Uh, sure. <laughs> then the game ends. And then <laughs> when the game ends because, because that's how soccer like works. Yeah. yeah. And, and Big Mesa is ahead. And Jack Everly is playing. They're doing great. Jeffrey is, is doing bad. And they're mm -hmm. listening. Oh, they're listening to the game on the radio. Because <laughs> apparently there's a radio station in Sweet Valley High, KSVH. This is brand new news. I know. That was actually pretty exciting. Need. And also, I mean, that's that's something that could happen if it's a small yeah, enough town. My high school had a radio station, yeah. WDSO. They still do. Why not? I, sure. I love this I love this, and I hope that we come back to KSVH, because that could be such an interesting 
plot point, but weirdly enough, has never come up before. <laughs> I could see a book where um, Jessica falls in love with a DJ that she hears on the school radio and doesn't realize until it's too late that he's like some little nerd, but then she goes out with him anyway. Yeah. I could see she that falls being in a book. With his sexy voice. Yeah. Then she finds out he's only 14 <laughs> and her head explodes. Yeah. This is a good, this is a good book. Jessica. Well, not literally. <laughs> or maybe literally. That's like the, the horror horror. Yeah, it just turns into scanners. It'll be fine. But anyway, so they get to the they get to the stadium and Elizabeth somehow manages to convince the coach to call a timeout by yelling at him through the fence. Yeah. Which okay, sure. So that she can She's trustworthy. Yeah, so that she can get Jeffrey she basically tells Coach Horner, like, I can shake Jeffrey out of this. Just mm-hmm. give me a second. I know what's bothering him. And that's exactly what happens. Jeffrey sees that Ronnie and Elizabeth are okay, and now he can play the game of his life. And um, I think they do actually win by two points. No, they only win they by win one three point. Because there's a the point oh, where okay. Elizabeth is like, um, I would rather we lose than win by two points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, yeah they win by, it's up. three to two. Because what if they won by two points accidentally? Exactly. Know? Yeah. yeah. Then, then Big Al would have gotten plenty of money to pay happy. for a lawyer to get him off of these child kidnapping charges. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, even, and a cop comes and finds Ronnie really quick. He's like, you match the description, which <laughs> I think apparently, oh, like, wouldn't Ronnie have been the one giving the description? Yeah, seriously. So be like, come know, find man. me. I'm going to the stadium right now. We can meet up there. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. So then everything's, everything's hunky dory. And there's a beautiful moment where Jeffrey and Elizabeth are talking about how Jeffrey's probably going to get to go to Branford because he did such a great job Mm -hmm. with the soccer in the end. Never mind that awful first three quarters (laughs) of the game, which, you know, Elizabeth and Ronnie must have only been that detour couldn't have taken that long. Right. Because the whole game. Yeah. They don't miss the game. I mean, a a real soccer game is 90 minutes plus any extra time that they decide yeah. to tack on at the end. So if it was a quarter, whatever a quarter of 90 is, is basically the time it took. Yeah. Yeah. 22 and a half minutes. <laughs> so right? maybe that's, yeah, it kind of, the book does kind of make it seem like they only missed the first quarter of the game, mm-hmm. the match. So if that's the case, weird, but <laughs> that was a really quick kidnapping. Uh, Max uh, is not the best, uh, tough in the world but okay so here's a passage from the end of the book i posted this on instagram so just one great reason gladiators to follow sweet valley diaries on instagram i have a promise to make this is jeffrey saying this from now on no more secrets i feel so bad about all of this i should have talked to you from the beginning i know elizabeth said with an impish glint in her eyes but you can still try to make it up to me jeffrey leaned closer I guess I've got my work cut out for me, he said. As their lips met, Elizabeth closed her eyes. She had wanted everything to be the way it was between them. But somehow, hard as it was to imagine, things were even better. The Dairy Burger would just have to wait. (laughs) Do you know how your relationships sometimes get in a rut? You know, you just see the same faces every day. It can really liven it up to be kidnapped by someone named Max and dragged to a abandoned bar and then escape <laughs> by the skin of your all. teeth. It can really she's just like, like not upset at all. <laughs> she actually even says, No, Jeffrey's like, Are you okay? That sounds crazy what happened to you. Like your what happened to you is much more important than me and my Branford stuff. Great job, Jeffrey. But Elizabeth's <laughs> like, nah, I'm cool. Yeah, uh, Ronnie's probably a little messed up though. <laughs> 
So many dangerous <laughs> things have happened to me after all. I've gotten used to it. Elizabeth Wakefield, trauma sponge. <laughs> exactly. That's that's a good catchphrase, Mary. I like that. <laughs> well, so we've gotten to the end of the book. And gladiators, you may have noticed that we didn't do an important segment at the top of the episode. But it was not because I forgot. It's because I think that it actually might make more sense now for us to start talking about the cover of the book at the end of the episode, after we've established yeah. the characters in the situation. So can you see the cover of the book, Mary? I, I will pull it up now. There we go. <laughs> Wait, which one is this guy supposed to be? That's probably Ronnie, right? That doesn't look like <laughs> definitely got some two people. Um, Gladiators, you can see what the cover of this book looks like if you go to Instagram at Sweet Valley Diaries. I'll post a picture. Also, you can Google it, but come on, you know you want to go to Instagram <laughs> and follow at Sweet Valley Diaries. So there's two people talking to each other. Now, I was trying to figure out. Ronnie apparently has red hair. He looks like a. I don't know. He looks very punchable, huh? He does. He kind of looks Ronnie? like um was that uh Opie from <laughs> He looks old... like Ron Howard? Yeah, not like uh yeah, he does kind of <laughs> like actually a young look a Ron, Howard? Bit like Ron Howard. Sure. A little bit like a young Ron Howard. Um, you know, he's kind of cute, but he but <laughs> maybe it's just cuz I know Ronnie that I want to I want to punch him. He's wearing a pretty ugly button-down shirt. It's hideous. It's pink, I think, with like gray stripes in a weird pattern. Yeah. And he's trying to reason with some lady who's really mad at him. And this lady, I feel like it would make more sense for it to be Elizabeth because Elizabeth is the one who's pissed off at Ronnie in right. this book. But first, at first glance, I was like, this is the way that these book covers depict Jessica. She's got the kind of sexy, swept-to-the-side hairdo. Mm-hmm. But I noticed something else that's a clue. If you really zoom in on the ear of this young lady... Oh, you see what she's got yeah. going on? A hideous got... black plastic earring. <laughs> I am into it. I want this ear. I can't see it that well, but whatever's going on, it's a big old earring. This is definitely <laughs> Jessica. It looks like and it's she's black, just angry. And black and tan and like um, sort of coffin shaped. Yeah. Or like a, like a, like a shoe horse. I mean, a horseshoe. <laughs> horseshoe <laughs> like could be horseshoe. horseshoe. Yeah. Um, Anyway, she's got a big old earring on, and she's mad at Ronnie, presumably now for him not being able to give her her $1,000 that he promised her, <laughs> which is the way that she characterizes it, even though I don't think any promises were made. Uh, no. <laughs> she's wearing a beautiful shirt that looks very much like a shirt that I have in one of my favorite colors, uh, turquoise. It's a nice shirt. And the book is pink and turquoise. It's really something to behold. <laughs> Love these covers. Before we make this just a super long, extra long epic episode, Mary. Perhaps you'd like to tell me if, having read this book, you have any thoughts on whether you might be a Jessica, an Elizabeth, or someone else. (sighs) Okay. Um, Given the fact that Elizabeth doesn't think to call the police, which would have been my first number one thought, I guess I'll have to go with Jessica. Um, But that doesn't make (laughs) me very happy either. So Is there another character that... I'm going to say that um, I am, in fact, Big Al, the pathetic gangster who can't even take down a teenager. (laughs) (laughs) That's just like the part you want to play in the stage version. Yeah, pretty much. If I was going to be in the play of of this book, I would want to be Big Al. For sure. I... I think that would be really good casting, um, gender blind casting <laughs> of Big Al. Al can be, well, it can't be Alice because that's Mrs. Wakefield. Ooh, what if Alice Wakefield is Big Al? Oh my God. <laughs> what a twist. 
Then I'd have yeah, to wear a silk that, blouse with shoulder pads, but you know what? I'll make it work. Yeah. <laughs> Your haircut is not entirely unlike a page boy. It's true. It's not although a page I gave boy, myself but... a quarantine haircut, so now who knows what it's supposed to look like. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Mary, let's talk again a little bit more in next week's episode about this book about gambling and student monies and high school <laughs> times. And for now, um, let's sign off by saying, tell a friend about Sweet Valley Diaries, post about it on social media, I would love to have more listeners, more listeners could potentially in the future mean no hiatuses. So you know <laughs> what you got to do gladiators, tell your friends, tell two friends, tell everybody, you know, tell all friends. Don't tell Ronnie, though, because <laughs> Ronnie can suck it. No. No Ronnie's allowed. <laughs> Unless, I mean, I don't mean Ronnie. I mean, literally Ronnie I mean, Ronnie the Edwards. specific Ronnie. Ronnie. You're allowed to listen. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This is Marissa Flaxbart signing off, saying, um, don't bet money you don't have <laughs> on high school soccer. Wow. Good advice. <laughs> this will end with a piece of advice. All right, let's just keep rolling because my, my computer battery is going to die here in okay, a second. Good. I'm not plugged in because I'm recording in my dad's closet <laughs> and there's no power in here.